0: Today, uh, we're going to be starting a new series that's called The Forgotten God. Before we jump into that, I just want to mention two quick things. One, uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we have been going through a series called Happily Ever After and had a lot of uh, great response from that. And uh, We've been walking through some principles of relationships, specifically marriage, but really relationships in general. If you're like, man, that was really good. I wish I could go back and listen to that or watch that. uh, There's a few places that you can do that. You can go online to listen.calvaryerwin.com and you can literally listen to the messages, or you can subscribe to our podcast. We podcast our messages each week. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash when you can watch the live stream, uh, you can do that. Or if you're like, hey, I have a CD player still and I want to use it. Um, if that's you, that's awesome. Um, you can actually order the CDs if you stop by the Connection Center, you can order the CDs for those three weeks uh, and, and put them into your CD player. We do not have cassettes. I apologize. So... Um, <laughs> If you have a cassette player, my best advice to you is get a CD player. And if you don't have a CD player, that's why we have podcasts. So anyway, with that said, we're starting a new series today called uh, The Forgotten God. And so often, uh, as followers of Jesus, we can focus on God the Father and and who Jesus is. And and we forget about the person of the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit is fully God, just as as God the Father and Jesus are. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today, we're blessed with an incredible guest. His name's Tim Enlow. He's a good friend and uh, one of the best speakers uh, in the world on this topic of the Holy Spirit. And we're so very honored to have him with us today. So if you can give your, uh, put your hands together and give a warm Calvary welcome to, to Tim Enloe this morning.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks, Pastor Nick. Thanks, Tim. What a joy to be here with you and looking forward to what God has in store. Um, it's just a privilege. The last time I had the honor of standing on this platform was in 1999. It hasn't been long. Some of you weren't even born yet, so it's just awesome to be back. Um, I bring greetings from my wife and family. In fact, would you put the picture of our family up? So this is our crew. I need to spray on hair there. Okay, so um, my wife, Rochelle, uh, we've been married now, we're 26 years, hitting 27. And then beside my wife, Rochelle, is our brand new daughter-in-law, Olivia, and our oldest son, Braden. And they are pastors at a church in Ohio. And then beside them is our middle son, Dolan. And he is a junior in Bible college in Waxahachie, Texas. And then on the end is our youngest son, Barrett, who's a senior in high school. And we have, for the last uh, almost 27 years now, traveled teaching on the Holy Spirit uh, every week, somewhere in the world, like 60 Four Nations or something crazy like that, and our, even though I'm from Harrisburg originally, we've lived in Wichita, Kansas now for like 22 years or something like that, so that's kind of our story, but every week out of the year, God has us in a different community somewhere in the world teaching on the Holy Spirit. Um, this last week, we were in Orlando ministering, and then next week, we are in, where are we next week? Well, we're here right now. How many are here right now? Oh, yeah, and then, uh, so we get home on Monday, and then on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm speaking in Dallas, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're in Tulsa, and then the week after that, I'm so excited, we're at a cowboy church. We have never gone to a cowboy church before, but out near Topeka, Kansas, is a... um, a barn they've refurbished, and about a thousand rodeo cowboy people come there every week. And I don't even like country music, so pray for me, all right? But I know I love people. Um, but uh, and then the next week we'll be in Nairobi, Kenya, and then Mombasa, and then Eldoret, and then we'll be way up north in a refugee camp in Turkana, Kenya. So anyway, keep us in prayer. And in fact, in the in the back, as you walked in on the as you walk out rather on the left side of the lobby are our prayer cards. And if you'd grab one of those and tape us on your refrigerator and remember us. Um, Any given year, about 75% of the time we're in the U.S., and then about 25% of the time uh, we're overseas in ministry. So we really do appreciate your prayer so much. Um, Also, if you're interested, never make a big deal about it, but there are some resources back there to help you to grow, uh, because if you want to... Really be the person that God wants you to be and encounter God's presence for transformation in your life. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and there are materials back there to help you to grow. Um, our newest book is this one called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And it's all about encountering the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. It's a lot of fun, but the, it's kind of in, a, uh, in three-thirds. The first third is all about the identity of the Holy Spirit. Because you'd be surprised how many Christians don't trust the Holy Spirit because they don't really know who he is, according to the scripture. And then the middle third is tracking patterns in the Bible of how people encountered the Holy Spirit. So we know that we're walking on a safe pathway to experience, And then the final third is probably the most helpful, and that is what do you do with the power of the Holy Spirit after you've received? How do you know if that prompting you're getting is you or from the Lord and sorting through those things? So anyway, a lot of fun, a lot of help. There's even a, a book back there that my wife and I did a couple years ago uh, for kids called Kid Power. If you want your kids to encounter the Holy Spirit's power at the youngest possible age. Wouldn't that be awesome growing up knowing the things of the Holy Spirit as being second nature? And uh, then there's, if you like to listen, there's a media USB card. It's got like 25 hours of teaching from A to Z on the Holy Spirit. It's got a little uh, pop-out USB drive on it, and uh, those things are back there. Anyway, take advantage of that stuff if it interests you. So, Pastor Nick, tonight at what time? Tonight at seven, we're going to be back here with part two of our teaching on the Holy Spirit, and then Monday night at seven again. How many know seven? You've heard of that number before, all right? So um, Monday night at seven. So I am believing, God, that only the best-looking and most intelligent of you will be back, all right? And so, uh, but tonight at seven, we're going to be looking tonight, uh, unpacking teaching about all the Bible verses, what the Bible talks about, Uh, about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, a language of the Spirit. There's so much confusion about this, and we're gonna sort through all that, but then we're gonna end tonight with a powerful time of prayer and receiving from God. And so if you feel like your prayer life could use a tweak Tonight's the night. God wants to download that in your life. And I pray, I hope you'll come back. Uh, We're going to experience God's presence. God always heals people, that's just what He does. Um, And that usually happens during the prayer times. And then on Monday night at 7, Monday night at 7, we're going to be talking about the powerful giftings of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and how the Holy Spirit wants to invest supernatural power in our lives to do things we could never do before. And if you thought that you were the only one that God didn't gift, like your spiritual gift is like knitting doilies or something like that, when someone else has Sith Lord power or something like that, don't miss Monday night. Um, I have personally arranged also for there to be no NFL games on Monday night. So that's kind of clout that I have. I hope you appreciate it. But come back and give God that opportunity. We won't waste your time, but we're going to dive in. We're going to have teaching from the Word of God that will open up our hearts, and then we're going to conclude, like we will this morning, with a time of prayer and receiving from God. Think about it for a moment. Has prayer enabled you to receive from God before? In fact, isn't biblically the normal way people receive from God is through that person praying and calling out to the Lord? So we're going to end the service this morning in plenty of time. We'll get you out before the Methodists hit Eaton Park or whatever. Is Is Eaton Park even still around? It is? Okay. And so, um, I mean, Eaton Park, I think, is just like a Pittsburgh thing, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, come, and and, uh, and at the end of the service, we're going to pray, and we're going to receive from God. God can't wait to download into our hearts and lives something fresh. And maybe today all this Holy Spirit stuff is new to you. It's totally cool to sit and watch and experience and see what God does because God is not ashamed of what His Holy Spirit does, and the Holy Spirit only wants to take the things that are Christ's and make them known to us. So God has good things in store. Hey, let's talk for a few moments uh, about the Holy Spirit's ministry, and I want to show you a diagram here that kind of puts into context the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Can you move the boxes, please? So check this out. Look at that power right there. Okay, so there are two basic dimensions to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. If you look on the green side on the left, we have what I've labeled the inward ministry. And I've chosen inward and outward not, you know, because the words go together or because I'm talking about the posturing of your navel, but inward ministry because the Bible uses inward prepositions to discuss this first side. And if you look at the bottom, it all has to do with purity, with moral purity, with personal transformation. Anybody want to grow and be less like you and more like Jesus, right? So that's what this is all about, and there are two basic levels. First of all, we have salvation, Um, and we know we are saved because of the blood and sacrifice of Jesus, but the Bible teaches us, and particularly Paul, that the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit is the one that does that cleansing work, and then at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, It's a lot like a donut. Anybody like donuts? Okay, all right. Um, And so when you and I are saved and when we give our lives to Christ, at that moment, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to live inside of us and he remains there unless we'd kick him out. So at that moment, the moment of our salvation, God injects the chocolate cream of the Holy Spirit inside of all of our donuts. He lives inside of us and he's there to benefit. Now, if you've ever eaten a filled donut, I've eaten some pretty unfortunate filled donuts over the years, especially overseas. Uh, we were in uh, Morocco a little bit last year doing ministry and and I found in, in the Kasbah downtown in Tangier, they had this big, big bakery thing that just the best looking pastries. I mean, it was unreal. Um, all you keto people, sorry for this illustration. I apologize, but but I I grabbed this pastry. You knew it had filling inside. You could tell because it was kind of bulging out. You know, you couldn't see what was inside, but you could tell the oh, it was going to be good. Kind of the shiny honey glaze. It kind of looked like a croissant. kind of outside on on the dough, and and I was so excited. It was it was just I mean hardly anything. Had hardly any money at all, and I was so excited for it. you. Knew it was fresh. I picked it up. It was still warm and. I bit into it, and it was filled with mint jelly and raisins. I don't know about you, but, I mean, whatever. Uh, it was not what I expected. And um, I guess somebody, it was, it was a joy for them. Maybe it was a practical joke. I don't know. But, but um, if you've ever noticed, like, with a filled donut, you don't know what's inside unless the pastry chef was a mess And it's the same way. You and I, from the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He doesn't leave. It's not like he lives inside of us when we're going 55 or under on the highway or whatever. But when we exceed the speed limit, then he leaves, you know. In fact, Pastor Nick has told me that he's felt the Holy Spirit all the way up to like 83, 84. So, um, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit, he lives inside of us. Now, our feelings may tell us that the Holy Spirit's only there when we're doing something spiritual, when we're listening to Christian radio while eating Chick-fil-A or whatever like that. But it, it's it's not that way at all. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us even when we don't feel Him, even when we do uh, sinful things, but as long as we repent, the Holy Spirit stays inside of us. He lives inside of us. And so that's really important. A lot of people think that, you know, every time, they, every time they sin, the dove flies out of the window, and then they've got to come back to church, and they've got to crawl on broken glass, and they've got to, you know, do all these things and smear some holy peanut butter on their finger and come on back and let the dove fly back in or whatever. The reason why a Christian feels conviction of sin so intensely Is because the Holy Spirit isn't convicting us from the outside. He's convicting us from the inside. And so he's calling us back and calling us to contrition. So we see those two levels. We see salvation. If we hit that back again. Salvation. There we go. And then fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is a metaphor Paul uses for growing in holiness. Or if you're a theological egghead, the word is sanctification. That is from the moment we're saved until we we pass away or till the Lord returns, God has designed all of us as Christians to keep on growing to be less like ourselves and more like Jesus. A lot of people give the devil credit for everything, but how many know if we gave him less material to work with, he'd be less successful in our lives, right? And so this process of sanctification, or Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, coffee, self-control. If we can hit that one more time again. There we go right here, fruit of the Spirit. And so fruit of the Spirit, we see at the very bottom, it's all about growing in purity. and Like that donut with the filling in the middle, really you can live for the Lord, go to heaven, and have the Holy Spirit work in your inward being, causing you to have greater levels of purity, but not really affect people around you. Like that donut, you don't really know what's inside until you bite into it, and hopefully nobody's biting into you. But but, um, the Holy Spirit wants to do more work than just your inner being. Jesus talks about this, and we'll read this in just a moment. People that already had the Holy Spirit living inside, they were saved or born again. Those terms all mean the same thing like you and I are. He made the promise that he wanted to drench us, dunk us in the Holy Spirit's power. And so you see the second side here, the outward ministry of the Spirit, the Bible uses exterior prepositions for this, that we would be baptized. How many have ever been baptized in water? We would be baptized in not water, but the Holy Spirit's power. If you've been baptized in water, did your inner being or outer being get wet? Hopefully, your outer being, if Pastor Nick pinched knows nose properly, right? Um, but it's about an outward coating. When you get baptized in water, you get wet. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get power to minister to others. It's like God taking your donut that already has the chocolate of the Holy Spirit, and he dunks the whole thing in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside. Chocolate inside, chocolate outside, right? And so have you ever noticed like in a box of assorted donuts, the ones with the chocolate glaze on the outside just seem to rub off on all the other donuts around them? right? It's the exact way. In fact, we're going to read in just a second, Jesus prophesied and promised that one day God would take those of us that are saved, that have the Holy Spirit living inside, and he was going to let us encounter a different dimension of the Holy Spirit's ministry that we would receive new levels of supernatural power when the Holy Spirit came outwardly upon us and he dunked us, coated us, and that we would rub off, minister, help people around us in other ways. And this is what this is all about. God wants to do more in your life and in my life as a Christian than just getting us to heaven. He wants us to be agents of God and our family and friends and community. He wants, like, he wants to do the things that we've always dreamt of doing but we've felt too powerless to do. He wants to give us supernatural power to do those things. So we see those two levels, baptism in the spirit, which is, wait a minute, over here. Hit me that slide again, see how good my guess is. Oh, no, go back one. There we go. El spirit baptism. And then below that, gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit on Monday night, and we're going to end that season with a great time of healing prayer. So make sure you, you bring someone you know that needs a, a touch from God in their body. In fact, how many of you are sitting by a real sicko right now? Okay. <laughs> So, so come and give God that opportunity. All right. I want to invite you. Would you stand with me to your feet real quick this morning? And we want to look at a, a few scriptures this morning to set our foundation for this. And I want to invite you, if you would, to read out loud with me, big and bold. This will by far be the most important thing that's ever said this morning. How many believe the Word of God changes our lives? Right, And so I want us to read this. The first part we're going to read is the promise Jesus made that he was going to take people that already had the Holy Spirit inside of them, and he was then going to dunk them in the Holy Spirit for ministry power. God wants all of us to be involved in ministry. And you'll find as a Christian that the ministry stuff is where the real fulfillment in our Christian walk comes from. You can have the Holy Spirit inside, going to heaven, living a life of purity, but not having a lot of fulfillment. The Bible teaches us this. In fact, the Bible instructs us nine times in the New Testament that there's a connection between a believer doing ministry and a release of fulfillment and joy in our lives. You ever been around a grumpy Christian? No, Don't nudge anybody right now. It's far too obvious. But, but if you've ever been around a grumpy Christian, and I've even been around one of those when I've been by myself, the most typical... Typical rationale behind that is they're not currently involved in doing some kind of ministry. Just being the person that everyone comes and serves us and everything's about me doesn't give fulfillment, but giving away and serving and helping others is really where the greatest fulfillment in life comes from. I know you've found that because you go to a church like Calvary. All right, let's read together. You ready? Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, "'Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit.'" So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, "'Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom?' He replied, "'The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth.'" On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, the story doesn't stop here. This is just the beginning, but our reading stops this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you would not only allow your Holy Spirit to live inside each one of us from the moment of our salvation onward, But then, Lord, you would permit us to have another dimension of encounter with you that not only affects us but is designed to affect others around us. And I pray, God, today that you would just take us to kindergarten today in your Holy Spirit and teach us your ways. I pray, God, in a few moments when we conclude this service with a time of prayer, That 100% of those believers that say, hey, I want God to dunk me, drench me in the Holy Spirit's ministry power so I can do things for God that I've never been able to do before. That 100% of seekers would experience this beautiful baptism in the Spirit. And then, Lord, for those that say, hey, I've already experienced that, I pray, God, that you would download the update into our lives. Give us today's oil, today's manna, today's empowering, I pray. And Lord, Jesus is always following your pattern of ministry, and you always taught and healed, taught and healed. That's the way you did things. We welcome you, Jesus, to do things your way today. Teach us and heal us, I pray. In fact, Lord, I pray upon this, across this room that many would right now suddenly be aware and sense the healing virtue of Jesus flowing and touching people's lives and hearts and bodies. We thank you, God, for marking this beginning of this Forgotten God series, Lord, with tremendous outbreaks of healing power. Thank you, God, for touching us today. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated if you like, or you can remain standing and be a public spectacle. Well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit's ministry here for a little bit. I'm so excited about tonight. Um, Tonight, we're going to really learn how to open up to the supernatural ways of God. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, this battle of science and the spirit and these sorts of things, and we're going to see tonight how God can use our prayer life to help us bridge the gap and open up to the ways of God while still staying grounded in the word of God. Anybody like to have more of God's supernatural presence in your life without getting weird, right? And so tonight, we're going to be talking about that. Don't miss it. It's just reruns tonight, all right? All right. Um, You already know Buffy slayed the vampire, so you don't need to, you can come to church tonight. You already know the answer. All right. Well, let's talk about this. Let me give you a definition of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. Let's look at that if we can. So, spirit baptism, for short, is the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's focus in on that word prophesied for a moment. A lot of people that may be new to the, the understanding and, and teaching and theology of spirit baptism from Scripture might be tempted to think that, hey, a church like Calvary, hey, it's a great church, man. They're really plugged in. They, they serve the community and the world, and they, you know, they're faithfully teaching our kids and great ministries and outreach and serving the community. It's awesome. But, man, whenever they talk about the Holy Spirit, then it's like maybe they take like a dot, dot, dot Holy Spirit, whatever, a dot, 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 and they, they take something very small to the Bible and build a big, huge construct out of something that's designed to be small, actually... You might be surprised to know that spirit baptism, that a believer being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus in their lifetime, is actually a major theme from the Bible. It's first prophesied by Moses in Numbers eleven twenty nine that one day in the future, all of God's people would have the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them and that God would empower them to say the things God wants them to say. It's prophesied in the Old Testament by Moses. It's prophesied by Samuel by David, by Isaiah, by Zechariah, by Joel. In fact, that Joel chapter 2 prophecy is so clear after where we stopped reading the text this morning, when the onlooking crowd gathers around on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, that Joel portion is what Peter uses to explain to the crowd what's happened. It's so clear. And then, still in the Old Testament time zone, but recorded in the beginning of the Gospels, spirit baptism is prophesied in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by John the Baptist, and then by Jesus himself in Acts 1-5. We read that a moment ago. This is a major, major theme the scripture that God would empower us all to do the things that God wants us to do to fulfill his ministry. And so, spirit baptism is the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit given to followers of Jesus. Now, just a moment there, just to be sure, so there's no question, salvation alone is the most important transaction that a person can have with God. That was a good spot to say amen, or I'll drink to that if you live near Rolling Rock. And so... Um, So this is this is something really, really important to remember. There are no degrees of salvation. It's not like, well, if you come here to Calvary and you've just been saved, you're just born again, then you're a silver level Christian and you park in the outer lot. And then if you're you've been saved and then afterwards baptized in water, then you're a gold level Christian and you get the discount at the bookstore and et cetera. But if you've been saved and then afterwards baptized in water and then baptized in the spirit, you're a plutonium-level Christian, right? And so it, it's not that way. Well, you get the 50% discount on your tithe and all that. It's not like valet parking. It's not like that, though. There, and, and if you're new to Calvary and you think that maybe different churches value people differently, it's not that way at all. Salvation is a status. We are either saved or lost. There's no degrees. Well, you know, uh, Pastor Paul, he's really saved, you know? It's not like that. You know, so some, some people, some Christians still deal with spiritual issues in their life. Like, you know, believe it or not, there are actually a couple Christians that are still Patriots fans, but we're believing God for those demons to come out, right? Okay. Um, but it's important to remember that. So this is not like, hey, this person is better or more spiritual. It's not like that at all. When a Christian comes to grips with, I want to do more for the Lord than I have the ability to do, anybody resonate with that? Wouldn't you love to do more for God? than you're currently doing, then most people will make one of two decisions. They will either continue to do nothing and feel badly that they're not doing more, or else they'll come to God and say, God, Unless you help me, I can't do more. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. I don't have the training. So God, please come and give me supernatural power. And the moment you say, God, help me to do more for you, whether you have a big theology of baptism in the Holy Spirit and you say something like, Lord, please baptize me in the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, or whether you just say, God, help me to tell Grandma about you, right? Same prayer you step into what is hopefully the lifelong process of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so this is critical for us. The moment a person says, God, I want to do more for you than I'm doing, and I don't know what I'm doing, so help me, and we begin to humble ourselves and draw near to God, Jesus begins to pour out his Holy Spirit, and ideally, That's the spot we should always be. We should always remain under his waterfall. So spirit baptism, the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit given to followers of Jesus for the specific purpose of increased inward closeness. Now, this is not to say that a believer who has not yet encountered baptism in the Spirit is not close to the Lord, but this shows us the function. Everyone in the book of Acts, and honestly, the central theological theme of the book of Acts is Jesus baptizing his followers in the Holy Spirit so they could continue his ministry, Um, everyone that was baptized in the Spirit in the book of Acts took extra steps in prayer or devotion or closeness to God in order to receive it. So that's real important. But the main purpose, the bottom one there is, hit me with it if you can, is increased outward power to help or to minister to others. Jesus said that we would receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit came upon us and the, the Greek word upon is epipipto, epi like your epidermis, the outer layer, and pipto to fall. Like when you go outside in the rain, the rain falls on your outer being, uh, like God dunking your donut in the chocolate, you know, you get it on the outside that he would Give us supernatural power. A real easy way to remember, the inward work of the Spirit for inward personal transformation. The outward work of the Spirit upon our lives for outward ministry. So we need him. And do you see that, that how much we need the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? Well, let me throw at you three more defining points, and then we're going to go to a time of prayer this morning, all right? So one more point that helps kind of define what spirit baptism is for us is that it's biblical, you know, I think any of us want all that God has for us as long as it's firmly rooted in the Bible. You know, we don't want somebody whose weird, exotic doctrine. We want what the Bible says. And, and I think all of us in our heart of hearts want to fulfill the will of God for our lives, right? Well, I mean, don't get crazy about it with your response or whatever. Okay, all right. Uh, so spirit baptism is biblical. If you look at this chart here, so these are the six times in the New Testament the term baptize in or with the Holy Spirit is used. It's in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then, so that begins the ministry of Jesus, a major prophecy. And then Acts 1-5, we read that Jesus said, hey, I've died, I've risen again from the dead. I put my spirit to live inside of you in John 20 when he breathed upon them and the Holy Spirit came to live. You're fully saved, born again, but I've not yet baptized, dunked any of you in the Holy Spirit, but fasten your seatbelts. I'm going to do that. And that's when the day of Pentecost kicks in. But then Acts eleven sixteen 16 is really important. The apostle Peter looks back and he says, hey, when we were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. But on the day of Pentecost, When Jesus poured out the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us and confirmed with supernatural signs, that is when Jesus baptized us in the Holy Spirit. And then he actually refers to Acts 10 and says, hey, when God did the same thing later on, 12 years later, to a bunch of Italians in Caesarea, those moments is when Jesus baptized in the Spirit. So the reason why that's really important is because a lot of people think the term baptized in the Holy Spirit is just another synonym for salvation but John the Baptist Jesus and Peter make it really clear it's not spirit baptism is a separate event that happens after salvation in a believer's life who begins to get really serious about doing more for the Lord but comes to grips with their own limitations and that stirs us to pray and draw near to the Lord and Jesus responds by pouring out extra ministry power upon our lives to do what God wants us to do. Do you see our total dependence on the Lord in this in every way? It's kind of beautiful, actually. And then look at the next one. There are five times in the book of Acts that people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, the baptism in the Spirit is the major, central, theological theme of the book of Acts. You know, a lot of people don't know what to do with the book of Acts, they go, well, we got the Gospels, and you got Jesus there. But in the book of Acts, Jesus just makes this little one-chapter cameo and then disappears. And, you know, what do we do with that? And then we've got the epistles, the writings, and, you know, then we've got the book of Revelation, which certainly has made uh, Tim LaHaye a lot of money. But, you know, what do, we, what do we do with the book of Acts? Well, you may be surprised to know that in the year 450 A.D., the book of Acts became entitled Acts. Do you know what it was called before that? Any guesses? Second Luke. In fact, if you've re- how many of you have ever read the Gospel of Luke before? The gospel of Luke begins. Luke goes, hey, many others have set about to write an account of what Jesus did and taught. Now, here is my most orderly attempt. And physician, educated physician Luke, writes the most technically detailed gospel of all. And do you remember who he addresses it to? Anybody remember? A dude named Theophilus, right? Theos, God, Philo, lover. You know, specific dude. And then the gospel of Luke ends... With Jesus standing on, on the mount, uh, getting ready to ascend to heaven. Remember that? And ascends to heaven, and the disciples stand there. Acts begins, what we call Acts begins, with Jesus standing on the mountain, getting ready to ascend to heaven, making the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts continues. Luke and Acts have the same eight point outline. Luke begins with Jesus being supernaturally born, then the Spirit coming upon empowering Jesus in Luke 4. Jesus preaching specific, certain, confirming messages, producing certain types of confirming miracles, having specific types of prophesied persecution against him, then the arrest, his threefold trial, and the consummation. The book of Acts begins with the church being supernaturally born, the Spirit coming upon and empowering the church, the church preaching specific types of confirming messages, producing certain types of confirming miracles, having certain types of prophetically declared uh, persecution coming upon them, the arrest, Paul's threefold trial, and then the consummation. But the book of Acts leaves us with an open end because it's designed to be Still going on today. Do you see what Luke is trying to get us to see? The same Spirit that came upon Jesus to empower him to fulfill the will of God is still coming upon his followers to do the same thing? If you look at this chart again here in the book of Acts, the five times Spirit came upon people and empowered them, the Jews in the day of Pentecost, the Samaritans with Philip the deacon, Saul of Tarsus, in Acts 9, the Italians and other Gentiles. Any Italians here? All right. And... Um, And then Acts chapter 19, the Ephesians. This is a major theme from the book of Acts. Spirit baptism is biblical, and it's for us today. Secondly, spirit baptism is important. It's not like, well, some of us here can receive this, and others of us, you know. The smallest percentage, just the people that are extra wired towards God, maybe the little kooky people they can, you know, can receive. How many are sitting by someone that's just a little kooky today, right? And so... A lot of people say, well, you know, hey, I'm I'm much more mild-mannered, I'm quiet, I'm introspective, I'm, you know, I'm not a public person, so therefore this is not for me. That's that is that that concept has no place biblically. Like my mom's side is a hundred percent German. Until she married my dad, her lineage is entirely Germanic. My dad's side is both English and Dutch and I think a little cocker spaniel in there. And so on on you mix my genealogical background is I am emotionally qualified with German, Dutch and English to be a mortician. I mean that's my emotional response, right? You know, I always like I get amazed at people like with southern European or or equatorial type, you know, uh lineage they seem to be a little more free because they get a little more sunshine a little more happy you know but italian and spanish and greek and mediterranean and all, all that around that belt it just tends people are a little more emotionally free like i don't know about you but the more if you're northern european background and this is a big generalization but the more northern european you get the more emotionally constipated you are right okay <laughs> and i can say that because that's my lineage but a lot of people think right away, hey, these powerful encounters with God, that's only for people that are a little more dancey and yelly and whatever. But it's not that way at all. You can be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a very private and yet profound way. You don't have to be the one that, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, you know, you dance around the front, the funky chicken line dance and scream and whatever. This is, this is nothing to do with how loud you are. This is how serious you are about coming to grips with your own limitations and needing more of God's power. And when we begin to press in, we see how important this is. Check out the next one here real fast. Okay, so after you, after you get saved, what does the Bible show is next for you? We go, well, the most important thing is getting a church coffee mug. Okay, But after that, what is, like a lot of people go, well, you know, you need to come to our class, and I, so I'm called, I get called a lot of things, but I'm called by God to be a teacher. When I was 14, in a time of prayer, I heard God speak to me very profoundly, and he's never changed direction yet for me, that I'm to teach about the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of why we do what we do. But so by calling, I get called evangelist because we travel, but really that has nothing to do with being an evangelist. But. By calling, I'm a teacher, so people tend to kind of overvalue their own passions and giftings, you know. So I would say, well, you got to teach people. But that's not biblically what the, the apostles did with new converts. Check out the next one. This is what the Bible shows the apostles did with brand-new converts. They got them baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit as quickly as possible in their earliest days of following Jesus. But don't misunderstand, because I have a one and a two there, that doesn't not there to show order. It's there to show instead that there are two things. The order these first two steps of Christian discipleship should happen in a believer's life doesn't matter. The Bible shows in both order. Acts 2, it's the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. You need to get saved. And then once you're saved, you can be baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, they were saved and then baptized in water and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. But Acts 9 and 10, a reverse order happened. Uh, Paul was saved and then baptized in the Holy Spirit when Ananias laid hands on him, and then baptized in water. And that same reverse order happened with the Italians because the Italians just want to do it their own way, right? Okay, but um, in Acts chapter 10, they were saved and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you've read the text, like a nanosecond after their salvation, and then baptized in water, And then in in, uh, the great revival in Ephesus, they were saved and then baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, spirit baptism is designed by God to be one of the earliest things that takes place in your new Christian life. So much so in Acts chapter 19, when Paul meets these 12 Ephesian converts, they had been saved under the ministry of Apollos in Acts 18. His very first question was, since you've been saved, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? His first question after meeting these brand new Christians. So, this is not something that's like just for a few people or just for the super mature people. This is something for every believer. You might be surprised to know that the same way Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water, he commanded every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, for a Christian to go, Well, I'm just not interested, and here's my 11 excuses. Uh, It's kind of a cop-out. Jesus wants you to do more than you can do by yourself, and he wants you to climb the mountain of the Lord until you have an encounter with God that empowers and transforms you. And if you've been saved, every person in this room today, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And the crickets chirp. Okay, all right, let's go to the next one if we can. So finally, spirit baptism is functional. This is not something where you come up front, the deacons put the chloroform rag of the Holy Spirit over your mouth, you see stars here, stairway to heaven, and then you wake up in the drainage ditch in front of the church in two weeks, you know, going, what happened to me? This is not some sort of anesthesia or some sort of voodoo. Like a lot of people misunderstand because they've seen things on TV or on YouTube and and they go, what in the world? You know, boy, it looks like that person, you know, was looked like more like a a medical condition or he called the ambulance and it did a spiritual thing. But this is we're not looking for extra biblical exotic weird things we're looking for the things Jesus prophesied and promised to download into our lives so we can be more effective now sometimes people respond to God with such freedom and such joy that it looks like they're having a meltdown but it's not a bad meltdown they're just filled with joy and and if you've ever encountered God in a way when you were expecting punishment or you're expecting you know things not to get better and all of a sudden good things began to happen, you might celebrate a little, and that's okay, but just because somebody over here is receiving with clapping, shouting joy, and weeping, and whatever, and someone over here very stoically is responding to God, that doesn't mean there's different voltage. That just means that person has a different level of freedom in their emotions, and that's not bad. We all receive from God on a spectrum emotionally, right? Like, okay, so don't stone me, but I was raised in Harrisburg. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not a Steelers hater. I I know. I love the Steelers. I do. My second favorite team. But I'm just far enough over in the state to where we're still splashed on by the cheese whiz on the cheesesteaks, you know. And so, like, a couple, two years ago at the Super Bowl, man alive, I was preaching in Arkansas, and I made a promise to everyone in the room, you can't tell me what's going on because we had DVR'd. You know, uh, and we had great service. God healed a lady born blind and all kinds of great stuff on Super Bowl night. But I went out, and I want to tell you, I was screaming my full head off watching the end of that Super Bowl when God took down uh, that demonic Patriots team. You know, the word, the word for Satan in the Greek, in the Bible, is the word Belichick. I mean, come on, you know. Um, But good night. You know, I mean, there are certain things in life that trigger me to have great emotional freedom and response. And a lot of people are that way about football or about the Pirates or about the Pens. But when it comes down to about God, for whatever reason, they live in an emotional bunker. I want to tell you, God, when he moves on, he isn't going to make you crazy. He's going to make you more whole if you let him. And maybe it's an okay thing if you find yourself getting kind of misty-eyed. That's all right when God moves on you. We've got plenty of Kleenex, and when we run out of Kleenex, somebody will go grab the Sherman. All right? We're, We're equipped for it. But if you don't cry, that doesn't mean that God's not moving. We value the substance of what God is doing. So check this out. Here's the function. All right, check out these two scriptures. So the top scripture is the moment they received. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. This is praying in tongues. This is not public tongues and interpretation. Very, very different, and we'll go into that tonight. But they began to pray in tongues. Uh, Other tongues, other heteros, another of a different kind or order, Tongues, language, it's not like the tongue in your mouth, it's a language, is the word tongue there, as the Holy Spirit was giving them utterance. Is utterance a word you use very often? Probably not, unless you're maybe like a dairy farmer or something like that, you know, and it's spelled a little different. But um, utterance, likewise, is a very peculiar word in the Greek language the New Testament was written in. That word utterance is only used three times in the Bible. It's only used by Luke, and he only uses it in Acts chapter um, 2 and Acts chapter uh, 24. It's the word apothengamai, and you don't, there'll be no quiz on this afterwards, all right? But apo is the prefix to send, like apostle, a sent one apo, and then thengamai is data, They began to speak in a language they had never learned before. This was a private prayer meeting as the Holy Spirit was sending them the data to speak. Now, this is extremely functional to us because 10 verses later, that word apothangami is used again. Peter, when a crowd begins to amass around and Peter realizes this private prayer meeting has now gone public... Peter stands up with the 11, raises his voice, and declares. The word declared here is actually the same word as utterance, apothegami. Peter spoke the words that the Holy Spirit was sending them. Now, this is important because a lot of people make the mistake, and they go, well, I don't really want the ability to pray in tongues. I mean, that's kind of weird. I don't really want that. So, therefore, I don't need to be baptized in the Spirit. But the baptism in the Spirit is much bigger than that confirming sign of you personally privately praying in the Spirit. The baptism in the Spirit is about you getting new power. God gives you an outlandish sign. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he starts sending you supernatural data. He starts turning on the subtitles in your life and the process of you being baptized in the Spirit, God doesn't hit you over the head with a big mallet and all of a sudden you pass out and see doves beginning to circle around you like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or whatever and then you begin to, you know, auctioneer and Romulan or something like that. It's not like that. All of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, he begins to stir you, and God begins to turn on promptings and subtitles for you. You don't have to speak in tongues, but you get the opportunity to. He doesn't make you. He doesn't hogtie you and and choke you and, you know, whatever, but he prompts you, And so this whole process is something very holy. There's no coercion involved. He doesn't anesthetize you or whatever. But all of a sudden, he begins to turn on the subtitles for you. The reason why, in your private prayer time, when you're drawing near to God and you're very aware of God's presence, he gives you the ability to discern those promptings. So tomorrow, when you're at work or school or whatever it is, and you sense God's moving on your heart, you have the equipment and the background now on how to discern the promptings of God. Peter did not speak to the crowd in that bottom verse in tongues. He spoke to them in their normal language. And this is where we get this final statement. If you can trust God to guide you to speak or pray in the unknown tongue, how much more confident can you be afterwards that God is going to guide you to speak to lost or hurting people in your known language? This is critical. This is what this is all about. And if the worship team wants to come back up, when I, when I was 12 years old, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, August 19, 1983. Um, the next day, I went to a 7-Eleven to buy some Hubba Bubba. This was Harrisburg, where I was raised. I went to buy some bubble gum, rode my bike down there, and there was a lady in the candy aisle standing in front of the bubble gum. So I kind of was waiting for her to get out of the way, and she was visibly upset. And so while she's, she's standing there and she's kind of talking to herself and her hair, long brown hair kept on falling in her face and she would kind of push it back and she was real frustrated and kind of talking under her breath. I'm standing there waiting for her, a couple feet away, waiting for her to get out of the way when all of a sudden I sense the Holy Spirit's presence. Have you ever sensed God outside of church? Sometimes you go what in the world is that you know and so because I was waiting for her to get out of the way I kind of had my hand up over my mouth and I just real quietly maybe even silently prayed god like why do I feel your power right now why do I feel why am I aware of your presence at 711 in the candy aisle just kind of weird and so while she was waiting or while I was waiting for her to get out of the way I'm like throwing out more possibilities well god Do you want me to do something? Am I supposed to talk to somebody? And because she was the obvious person there in the aisle in the barrier to the bubble gum for me, I'm like, God, do you want me to say something to her? And when I quieted down, all of a sudden, the same way the night before, when I was drawing near to the Lord, sensed his presence, and then I quieted down, and God began to turn the subtitles on for me in tongues. Now, all of a sudden, a sentence came up the same way. The subtitles came on in English, and it was this sentence. I'll never forget it. Are you okay? Now, that may not sound spectacular to you, but that's not a thing that comes to mind as a 12-year-old that just wants bubble gum. I mean, for real. And I, God didn't make me say it to her, just like the night before. He didn't make me pray in tongues. The prompting came, though. The same way the prompting came in English now. And so I, God didn't make me, but I had a little more courage and spiritual bravery than ever before. And so I just kind of raised my voice and I go, um, uh, excuse me, are you okay? And she turned around and kind of bit my head off and yelled at me, leave me alone, you know, whatever. I was like, all right. So normally that would have sent me flying as a kid. But instead, because I'd sensed God's presence and I, I was a little perplexed because I thought to myself, my logic was, if God wanted me to say that, why didn't it go better, right? And so i was kind of curious about that. And so I just kind of waited. I'm like, well, God, did I not do it right? Or do you want me to say something else? And then I waited. And all of a sudden, the same way in the inner being, not out of my brain, I wasn't going, hmm, what should I say to this obviously upset person? looking in my brain for rationale. But that same inner stirring where God was speaking, the subtitles came on again, and God gave me another sentence. And I had just enough courage to try to say that to her. And this time, her response was much nicer. And with a couple more back and forths like that, within three minutes, I was praying with her to give her life to Christ, right? in The 7-Eleven. And as a 12-year-old, and she was an old lady. She was like 30, right? And over the next two months, 60 days, A 12-year-old kid had led 27 adults to the Lord, not because I'm some great soul winner, but because we receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes outwardly upon us and we just kind of naturally, like those chocolate glazed donuts, begin to rub off on people. He doesn't make you obnoxious or an extrovert if you're an introvert, but he gives you the things to say, the things to do. You're, the prompting, the teleprompter comes on. You receive ability from the Lord. And all of a sudden, the power to do the things you've always wanted to do for the Lord is now installed upon your life. God wants to give us power. And in a second, i I'm gonna, we're going to... Transition here to a time of prayer. It's late. It is now 3 p.m. It's late, all right? But I'm going to set you free here in just a moment. But I want to ask across this room if you'd all just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God after this. We'll start a prayer time, but at that moment, anyone that wants to leave can certainly sneak out. We'll have a real soft dismissal this morning. But while your heads are bowed, I just want to ask you the most important thing. I tried to be so clear this morning, salvation, giving our lives to Christ, is the single most important, the greatest spiritual transaction that can ever happen. And the reason why this needs to take place is because the Bible says, and we all know it, we have all sinned against God. And sin is a spiritual problem that cannot be resolved by natural solutions. Spiritual problems require a spiritual solution. That's why you and I can't give our way out of sin or volunteer our way out of sin or help little old ladies across the street and burn off sin demerits. We need a supernatural Savior. And that's why Jesus came thousands of years ago. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead to prove with power that he can overcome death and sin and all of its consequence. And he's not looking for you and I to do some great task to climb Mount Everest or solve some sort of world problem before he forgives us of sin. He's actually looking for something a little more difficult. He's looking for us to humble ourselves and to call on him to help us. He's waiting for you. He's throwing the lifeline out. He's waiting for you and I to grab it. And if you're tired of bobbing up and down underwater in your life spiritually and you want to experience a salvation that only Christ can give, it happens through humbling ourselves and praying. And we're going to pray about that in just a moment. But if you want to be included in this prayer to make things right between you and God, if you just real quick just wave a hand at me all over this house. Say, that's me. I want to make things right with Jesus. Just give me a quick wave wherever you're at across this great auditorium today. Yeah, God bless you guys awesome. I'm so excited for what God has for you. Anybody else? I want to make things right with Christ. I want to experience that forgiveness. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you back there. Awesome. 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 Now, would you all just look up here for a moment? Okay, so... We're going to pray a prayer of fresh forgiveness and repentance. And then after that, anyone that wants to go can be dismissed. But would you just hold tight for that prayer real quick? And then I'm going to invite anyone that wants either to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what we've talked about today, we're going to experience here in a moment. Or those that say, hey, I've already experienced that, but I just want a fresh anointing on my life. I'll invite you to come forward. But there's going to, after this prayer for repentance, anyone that needs to go is, is free to go. Sound like a deal? Okay, with that understanding, would you stand with me real quick to your feet? How many of you have already given your lives to Jesus? Wave your hand at me. Awesome. I'm so excited for what God is doing. But if you're like me, you know that you could use some fresh repentance every day, all right? So here's your job. Before you go, I want you to take 30 seconds, and this is gonna be tough. I want you to pray out loud. Your own fresh prayer of repentance, putting your faith in Jesus. If you already know Jesus, you're not allowed to pray my prayer, repeat mine. You've got to come up with your own, and it has to be out loud. If you don't pray out loud, I pray your car doesn't start, all right? All right? But if you waved your hand and said, I want to make things right with Christ, you can feel free to repeat my prayer or pray this prayer along with me. If you're not sure what to say, that's all right. But really, honestly, God hears your heart more than he ever hears your words. So we're praying about that inward cleansing, purifying work of the Spirit right now. Come on, let's just lift our voices to God. If you waved your hand to make uh, things right between you and God, you can pray this prayer with me. Come on, not a silent prayer in this room. Let's begin to lift our voices. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your one and only Son and that no one else can save me from my sin but Jesus alone. Savior, save me, wash me, cleanse me, put me into your family and let your Holy Spirit come live inside of me right now. I pray that every person that's praying these sorts of prayers, Lord, will experience right now the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of their lives right now. Thank you for that, Lord. Give us the ability to please you and serve you and know you and grow. And God, I pray for any believer that's struggling with deep levels of habitual sin or addiction in their life would right now experience the hope and power to change through the working of the Holy Spirit. Change us, Lord, we pray. Thank you.